Hello and welcome to Decoding Cannabis, the podcast in which, which we're trying to figure out how marijuana works. And today I have with me Jeremy. I saw Jeremy on a TV show online related to marijuana. There was um, an article or uh, um, uh, how would you call it, Jeremy? There was a, a segment in the news, right? Right, my local news did this segment on me and my daughter, yeah. Yes. And so... Um, how about I'll let you tell the story? First of all, I want to welcome you to Decoding Cannabis. Well, thank you for having me. It's very exciting. Uh, this is actually the first podcast I've done. I've done a whole bunch of interviews regarding cannabis, and uh, this is actually the first time I, we're, we're going to be online. So it's pretty it's a pretty exciting opportunity. Excellent. And I appreciate you being here. Our podcast is new. Um, you're the fourth episode uh, we had an episode about uh, marijuana and cancer, episode about marijuana and uh, PTSD, and here we are talking, and hopefully it'll be a, a long and prosperous uh, podcast. And um, the reason I wanted to talk to you is because you've been treating your daughter, who has autism, some kind of form of autism, with marijuana, and that grabbed my attention. Um, it seems like something uh, really brave to do and something that no father would take lightly. But why don't you start by telling me about Cora? Okay, so so my journey started around six years ago when I had my children, right? Like we, uh, we, we did IVF um, and intravenous fertilization. So, um, you know, we, we struggled having kids and then we finally were able, my wife was finally able to get pregnant. It was a very exciting time. I was a young father. I was like 32 years old. Um, we, we had Cora and TJ and, you know, they were great. We had a set of twins. My, my mom was, was helping take care of them. And, and it just seemed like the real normal middle-class American kind of experience. Right. And then a year and a half rolls around and, and we're not really seeing the, we're not really seeing the de developmental milestones hit as we would like. We saw some, but it was few and far between. And, you know, I kept on holding out hope. Well, you know, the, the, most kids talk by two years old. Most kids talk by two years old. You know, everyone says, just wait till two. It'll come together. Don't freak out. So two came and went and my kids really didn't talk. So <clears throat> uh, I, I went, I got on a waiting list for a developmental pediatrician. I waited six months. So when my kids were about two and a half, they were both diagnosed with autism. And, and it was, you know, I, I took it really hard. I, I mean, I didn't post it on Facebook or anything like that. I really, I didn't really didn't tell my family. I told my parents and my close family, but I didn't tell my aunts and uncles. And I really didn't know what to do. Um, you know, uh, I just, it was, you never prepare for this, right? Like, like if, if you never prepare for a, a child, of yours to have a disability there there's there's you, it doesn't cross your mind when you're having kids or trying to have kids you just you think about this like you know kind of like idealistic kind of like way to raise your kids and have them play little sports and all those things and and, and when when your kid gets diagnosed with a disability it really throws you a curve so we so so we got diagnosed with autism and then you know, we did all the traditional therapies like um, applied behavior analysis, occupational therapy, speech and language therapy. Um, and, and, and they did, you know, they did show growth, but it was it was painstakingly slow. It, it was it, it, you know, we we still didn't hit milestones fast. It was it was slow. I mean, it worked, but it was slow. Mm. Um, 
So we we spent about three years in, in that in that mode, just trying to do the traditional therapies. And the people we worked with were great, and they really took care of me and my family, and my kids. But it just it just I didn't, you know, it, it was hard. It was really hard to have kids who don't talk. And then my my daughter starts to develop these these major tantrums. And these tantrums, it, it was like she would cry and scream for about two hours, maybe sometimes two and a half hours. And I mean, scream at, scream at the top of her lungs. Mm. And it was like, oh, my God, I, I can't believe this is my life. Like, it was hard. It was those are hard days. And, and, and like even after she got done melting down, you know, I was so razzled and so, you know, so just like my nerves were just shot that I, ha- I ended up, um, you know, I, I needed like another hour just to kind of like get my head on straight again. It, it was difficult. It was really hard. Mm-hmm. So Pennsylvania passes this medical marijuana law. And it, it, when they passed it, my, my kids were probably only three. Um, but, but at the same time, my mom, who was helping me raise my kids, she, she was diagnosed with lung cancer. And, and she was able to buy cannabis illegally because the, even though medical marijuana was passed, they didn't have the dispensaries, they didn't have the doctors signed up. So, right. so there was no system. Yeah. Was we didn't have the infrastructure to, to purchase it through, through medically purposes. So she bought some off the street. Okay. So, I, you know, my mom essentially rolled a joint and, and she smoked it here in my house. And I, and I, you know, my mom smoked her first joint when she was 68 years old, dying of cancer. So she never used any drug hmm. before that point. And I said, Mom, you know, medical cannabis just sounds like a reason why people would want to, like, get high, you know, an excuse to get high, you know. I said, but does it really work? Does it really bring you relief for your for your pain? And you know what she said to me? She's like, yeah. She's like, she's like basically half of the nausea is gone and so is half the pain. So, so it, 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 cannabis brought, brought tremendous relief into in my mother's life in her last – four or five months. So I thought, wow, this is, this is true. You know, all the stories I heard coming out of California and Oregon and Colorado, this is really true that this, this really has a benefit to it. It's not just an excuse to get high. So then the program gets rolled out fully in Pennsylvania. And, you know, I thought, well, autism is on the list of one of the diagnoses that can be treated with, uh, with, with cannabis in the state of Pennsylvania. What would it hurt to get? I mean, I've tried everything. You know, I've tried I've tried different different products, different like online tutorials for like how to get your kids to talk. And I'm like, what? You know, most things didn't work fast. Some things worked, some things didn't, but nothing worked fast. So I was like, what would it hurt? What would it hurt? My mom, my mom tried it, and she said it worked. I mean, you know, it, it, my thought going into it was I would try it. It probably won't work, and then. Uh, and then at least I know I tried it and I could, I could walk away with it. Well, it's just another thing I tried. It sounds like you, you were at the point of, uh, you know, nothing to lose. You had a life that is, uh, uh, sounds like a life almost, you know, impossible to live and uh, not much hope. And there's this substance that a lot of people say that um, is helping. And there's not a lot of evidence that uh, definitely a single use can cause issue. And you were like, okay, it's worth a shot. Exactly. That, that was largely my, my, um, my thinking at the time. So, so Pennsylvania passed this law, and I was one of the first 3,000 cards issued in the state of Pennsylvania. And I was I, I, like, 
you know, I, as soon as I could, I applied for it. The doctor I went to, he was really open. He said, listen, I see some, I see some anecdotal research coming out of Colorado and autism. He goes, I say, try it. You're, you're going to want to be the first people trying it. I don't know. You might be the first, but you're going to be one of the first people who try it, try it. It may work. Come back to us and let me know because it, you're the trailblazer. You're the, you're the person who, you know, you're the people, the first people out there, we're going to learn from you. And I said, okay, let me, let me try it. You know, let me see what I could do. So I, I went to the dispensary and, and in the early days of the medical marijuana program, we, we, there was, there was major supply shortages. You know, pe people would go in there and they would, they would buy, they buy a product and, and, and many of the most, everyone I've talked to needed it for, for a legitimate reason. You know, there's a lot of people that were in pain. Um, and, and, and with my daughter who wouldn't take pills and obviously I, I wasn't comfortable with her necessarily smoking cannabis. Um, I was looking for an R RSO. It was called a Rick Simpson oil. It's a very, th if you, for the, for the listeners who maybe not know this, it's like a really thick oil. It's almost like a toothpaste, but it's black and it, it it's, it's, um, like resin. Yes. Like resin. Right. So, so, and, and, and I thought, wow, that, that is probably something I could actually apply to my daughter. Like she would probably take that. And. Um, so, so I, I, I needed that specifically because I had this young child and what I found out was, uh, so I, I went, I went to a, the, the closest city to where I live because I, I live in a bit of a rural area. I live in the mountains. I've got a great property, but I'm kind of secluded. So, uh, I went to the closest city and they didn't have it. They, they, they had it for the first day and it got bought up. It, you know, it was very popular here. So um, I posted that online. I posted on one of one of the, the 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 medical marijuana websites. I said, you know, really frustrated. I wait eight eight hours at the dispensary and I left empty-handed. And that and boy, that that kind of sucks. You know, it was really tough to hear because I thought I took the day off of work. You know, I, I and I, I drove an hour. I waited eight hours and I, I just I had nothing. So someone sees that on, on, on Facebook and she organizes, this woman organizes the compassionate caregivers and, and, and she's also a parent of kids with disabilities. She finds me and says, listen, we have this dispensary op opening up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And, and Lancaster's at least a two and a half hour drive from where I live. She's like, we, we're looking for an inaugural patient. We're looking for someone who, who, who's helping, is a caregiver, who's helping their children. And um, you fit the profile of, uh, we, want, we want you to be our first patient. Wow. We want to help. So, and, and, and I said, listen, I thought about it. I said, I, I don't know. You know, I mean, let's, and also too, just for the backstory, I, I'm a, a, a teacher. I'm, I'm certified to teach special education in the state of Pennsylvania. So, you know, this is kind of, I mean, it's legal, but, but still it's like, wow, you know, I mean, I, I kind of wanted to do it discreetly if possible. Yeah. And so, suddenly you're being put on a pedestal here and on a stage right. for other people to see. Uh, yeah. Right, right. So, so we, um, so I said, listen, uh, you know what? And, and then Cora had a really bad day. And I was like, oh man, she's having a bad day. I'm like, you know what? The medicine's sitting for me. All I got to do is drive two hours. Why don't I make that trek down there and I'll come down and I'll, 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 I'll buy that. They'll hold it for me and I'll be the first patient. Why not? You know, I mean, you know, life, life's full of, of, of risks, right? Like, like being, being a leader, being a father, being a parent, you, you sometimes got to make tough choices. So I said, you know what? I'm going down there. I'm going to do it. You know, so I went down there for, for the pharmacy was called cure, 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 um, cure Pennsylvania. And, and they, they were great. They were super great to me. 
Uh, they let me cut the ribbon. I was the one who cut the ribbon for for their dispensary to open. They the actually had a ribbon. That's nice. Yes, yeah. I mean, they had a cake. They had press there. Um, you know, and 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 you know, a lot of the same questions that you asked me, I answered those back in the day, not knowing nearly as much as I do now a year later. Um, and I, I, I bought two sticks of Harlequin. It's made by a company called Cresco Yaltra, and it's a, it's an RSO Rick Simpson oil. So I bought two sticks of that. Um, you know, and, and they, 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 they took some pictures and I was their inaugural customer and, and I thought, wow, this is really awesome. Part of the reason why I, I agreed to it though, was because Lancaster is, like I said, about two, two and a half hours away. It's a different local news agency. So, so I figured, well, no one's going to really know what I'm uh-huh. doing because <laughs> two hours away. Right. So the, the, my local news up here picks up the story and says, yeah, there's, there's a, a new dispensary opening up in Pennsylvania. And I think it, that was like maybe the fifth or sixth dispensary to open up in the state. So that's when big, it was big news to have a dispensary open. And they're like, yeah, a local man buys, you know, buys the first product out of this dispensary. And I, and it was me, right. It was wow. me. I was the local man. And I was like, Oh boy. So people start messaging me, you know, and it was, and, and like, like I was on the news and people are posting that clip onto my Facebook page and, and it kind of really just took off. Um, so no, I, I just like, want to I just want to mention to the listeners the clip, you know, is well made. It shows you and your daughter like they came to your house and took some video, right? Yeah, and it's uh, essentially, you know, describing your journey a little bit and uh, telling, you know, um, you're basically saying why you made the choice to to do this. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Very much so. So yeah, so 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 now I'm covered in news, and I have this product. It's medical marijuana. I don't know a ton of it, and don't don't know a ton about of it uh, about it. And and it's like I expected to go into my teaching job, and uh, you know who knows? Call down the principal's office, maybe call down to the superintendent. I, I asked. I expected people to be kind of mean to me mm-hmm. and accusing me of drugging my kids. Like I was. I was. I was preparing for the worst it was one of my questions by the way so <laughs> if, if that happened I, I, was preparing, I was i was preparing for oh wow this this is gonna be really really ugly but the next day you know pe- people came in and, and they begin to congratulate me they said man you you know they saw me as as as, as, a, as a, a father who would do anything for their kids they saw me as someone who um who had courage, you know, that they saw me as someone as like an innovator, right? You know, as someone, as someone who was a visionary, a visionary. Yeah. That, that they, they really saw me as this visionary. Um, and, 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 and it was the, the, the people who said things to my face and even on my internet page were, were, was 100% positive. Hmm. It was 100% positive. And, and I, I was like blown away by it, you know, because it was such a, such a taboo subject that people really don't know what they're talking about with it. They have these preconceived notions of what cannabis is. And, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's basically what was fed to us by 1950s propaganda, you know, the war on drugs kind of stuff like this is bad. It'll kill you. Yeah. 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 So, so I, I mean, I got, I got a tremendous amount of positive feedback and I thought, wow, what a relief. But on the flip side, like, you know, I, I just that that morning I, I, I gave it to my kids, you know, I, I gave it to my daughter and my daughter, uh, you know, she she it was crazy. 
because the first day I gave a tour, I, I didn't see really anything different, right? I just, okay, I'm like, well, whatever, I'll give a tour like a couple more days. And if it doesn't work, well, at least I got this here or whatever. And then the second day I gave a tour and, and she was beginning to answer yes and no questions. So, so and let's thought, take a, let, let's take a step back because you know, you're you're definitely a good storyteller. You're telling everything how how it happened and you're laying it out beautifully. But uh, just before you go into the effect, I want to ask you a few questions about what what was going on before um, you've administered marijuana to Cora uh, for the first time. So she wouldn't talk at all. What was her? Uh, so we we know about tantrums. Tell me about her speeching. Uh, speeching. <laughs> That's actually a good word. Tell me about her speeching um, patterns. Well, so 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 she, I would I would say she had limited verbal ability, right? So she had the situation where she would she could label a lot of things, you know, dog, cat, cup cheese you know she 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 knew her labels she could label them but she could never use it functionally she could never use it effectively like she could label things on a sheet of paper and then they eventually got her to label things in real life like you know instead of being a picture of an apple she she could label a real apple um but she could never ask for an apple you know she could never say i want an apple mm -hmm. or she could never she could never communicate her needs. She yeah. just she just knew the labels and she basically kind of only knew them in a very almost academic sense, you know. Mm -hmm. So that that was where she was for a while. And I would almost say two years she almost was was in that kind of functionality. And now we're talking about age what, five? Yeah, for, from about three to five she was in in, in that yeah in, in that kind of realm. Um I worked with a child very similar to yours, uh, six years old, and uh, so I'm going to make a statement and tell me if you think that that statement applies to your daughter. Uh, the child that I was working with, exactly the same symptoms, um, can name things, but only concrete objects. It was her ability to recognize and understand and digest abstract terms that was almost non-existence. And so she couldn't tell the difference between a question and a statement. And essentially any attempt to explain to her something that is abstract, a label that is not concrete in shape or form, was close to impossible. Would you say that that corresponds to Cora? Very much so, very much so. Okay. So that already tells me, I'm just going to interject uh, uh, back and forth um, just to kind of uh, give the perspective of metaphysics here, right? I don't know if you know what I do, um, what you've, uh, if you looked at the website or not before, but I want to make sure that by the end of this conversation, not only we share your story with the world, but I share with you whatever information or bits and pieces of information that I know um, based on the research we've done here in Consciousness Research Institute on marijuana, so that maybe you can take nuggets of it to sort of chew on and think about uh, in the next few days. So what we're describing here in the terms of practical metaphysics, it means that the particular individual is it's electromagnetically negatively polarized in their minds. What does that mean? It means that their mind is extremely concrete and sees everything in its mind's eye. Everything has to be seen in order to be digested. What do I mean? I mean that um, if, you, if we say an apple, most of us will have an apple in our mind's eye. But if we say fairness, we don't see fairness. We cannot see the idea of fairness. And so 
um, if you think about autism as a spectrum, there's really two types of autism. There's the autistic that is uh, don't want to be touched, sort of very inward, super smart, uh, very analytical, obviously capable of understanding abstract terminology. And then there's the autistic that is thrives on touch, usually, of course, unless it's something that's painful or hurts, and um, very outgoing, very uh, emotionally capable, and yet... Uh, there's a lot of, how should we say, energy and fire in the body. Uh, that's kind of the other spectrum, sort of like outward-oriented uh, in, in, in behavior. And it sounds to me like your daughter falls under the latter category. Am I, did I say anything that doesn't fit, or is there any addition? No, I agree, I agree. Okay, and let me ask you this. How's TJ? Is TJ the, on the same side of the spectrum, or does he show a polarity in the in in the behavior because you were mentioning tantrums you were mentioning cora but not tj right so so tj didn't have tantrums right and and tj probably i'd say would fall more for the former of your descriptions right mm-hmm. so so tj tj didn't didn't scream and yell i mean the 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 his his biggest he still has he still has an issue with communication but it was more speaking loud enough and speaking clear enough he, mm-hmm. you know he, he he was very within himself you know um he, he wouldn't express himself outwardly um he you know he struggled with 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 in, in, intonations of, of of words you know i, I mean he, he kind of was he was in the same boat in the sense that he had the labels he couldn't use them functionally either but he also didn't didn't talk as clearly or as much as cora Mm, okay, yes. So definitely speech um, issues on both sides, but there seemed to be some kind of uh, an undefined difference between them of sort. Right. Okay, so right. what we're going to try to do in this conversation as we progress is we're going to try to put terminology around that difference between them. And again, everything I say or everything that we come up with always stop me if I say something that you feel is inaccurate uh, based on your observation as the pioneer and trailblazer of, you know, a family, you have twins, you have two, um, and they're both on the autistic spectrum, if such exists. You know, some say that there is no such thing as autistic spectrum, we're all autistic in some way, shape, or form, it's just a matter of whether we're limited symptom-wise, and so we call it autism, but it's some kind of a rigidity of thought of in one, one shape or another. So let's continue with the story. So here you are, you're giving the resin, um, the Rick Simpson, is that what it's called? Rick? Uh, yep. Yeah. Um, I think it was mentioned also in the previous episode, the uh, person who uh, healed himself from cancer using um, marijuana mentioned that that was the all he wanted to say. So here you are, you're giving this resin to your daughter. What do you notice? Well, like I said, the, the first on, on on after the second dose, she she began to 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 say no to things. She began to say no, like she's like, Cora, let's go outside, and she'd say no, you know. And I was like, wow, that actually that actually kind of fit. Like maybe that's just maybe that's just her saying something. Maybe you know because she never fit. She never had a a correct response to a question ever. It it was you know it was she would usually say nothing or just say you know say boat or you know something like, something like that so like i was like wow that 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 almost actually fits together that's mm. kind of crazy i'm like whoa you know i'm like who knows i i jokingly thought like wow maybe this marijuana really works but yeah right you know 
and then and then like the day went on and and she did that like four times in a row within the hour and i said man she she's really answering those questions correctly she is telling us no she does not want to do something and i was like that's really remarkable and and i thought well i i mean i did i just i started our medical marijuana and like wow maybe this actually works you know maybe this is it and i thought wow I mean that alone, and and then and then what we began to see that helped the tantrums. So because she could communicate to us what she did or didn't want to do. I mean, in the beginning, it was just what she didn't want to do. That helped the tantrums. They became less frequent. I mean, before right before we started medical marijuana, she probably had like seventeen small tantrums a day. The, the good news is we got them down from two hours to like you know, 10 minutes, five, five, eight, 10 minute tantrums, but we still had them. They still were, were, were difficult on us too. And her and her. And then it's like, and it's like, they dropped, man. It's it, it like, we, we, I mean, we would go on strings of days where she didn't have any meltdowns. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. You know, th this is, this is, this is incredible. You know, and, and then after eight doses, so it was because I didn't give it to her every day. I took I took some holidays in there just to not overload the system with with, with cannabis. After eight doses, I, I I went. She took a nap and I went in her room and I, I woke her up, and she said, "Can I have a cookie?" And I thought, "Wow, Cora, you're you're really you know you're really coming along here. That's awesome." So before she and wouldn't said, ask for something like this, what would she do when she wanted a cookie? Uh, I mean, she she would so, sometimes you get cookie. Sometimes you get cookies. Sometimes she would like grab your hand and take you to where the cookies are. So that, that, that it was, it was, it wasn't necessarily verbal communication or if it was, it was just one word and they said, okay, well, she wants a cookie, but she says, can I have a cookie? And I thought, wow, Cora, that's pretty amazing. I thought to myself, and then I said, all right, Cora, I'll give you a cookie, but you have to come downstairs because she was in her bedroom and I don't let the kids eat in their bedroom. And then she said, no. And I thought to myself, Oh my God, we just, we just had that. That was our first conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Literally after eight doses of Rick Simpson oil, we had our first conversation and it was like, I, you know, I, I just was like, I was blown away by it. I was like, so then I called the medical marijuana doctor and, and he was only doing this now for three months. And I said to him, Dr. Harris, I'm seeing, I'm seeing a reduction in meltdowns. I'm seeing a reduction. Uh, I'm seeing her more verbal. We just had a conversation. She used to do a lot of stimming where she would like squeeze her hands kind of like this when she gets excited. I said that that's been reduced like 70%. I said, do you, do you think we're just like, is this just luck? Because there, I, I, I can't believe that cannabis could 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 help Cora in all, in all these ways, and he said no. He said that's exactly what I've seen coming out of California and 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 Colorado, and he's like you're you you consider yourself very lucky. It it worked for you, you know it really worked for you. So I thought wow. I mean, God bless us all. You know like awesome 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 news. Yeah. Okay. So. Wow, this is this is really interesting. First of all, I want to um, address the emotional aspect of the story. Here you are, your father, you're 
struggling to communicate with your own daughter. Uh, five years, um, out of which uh, most of them were really probably frustrating and, you know, some kind of like, oh, I can't believe this is happening to me. And here you are applying uh, what is still considered as a category one drug uh, in the United States. You're giving it to your daughter um, out of your own will. And voila, there's a first conversation that is taking place, a back and forth. She asked for something, you answered, and she answered yet again. There was a maintaining of some kind of a storyline of conversation between you and her. There was a mental connection between you two, um, which language is always a reflection of. And I can only imagine, how did that feel? What was, what, what was the sensation in that moment? Like I won the Super Bowl. <laughs> Beautiful. Like I was like, wow, <laughs> wow. I, I mean, because you know, when, when you're in the situation I was, you you begin to play out long term scenarios, right? Like you begin to look at, well, will my kids ever talk? Will mm. my kids ever get out of diapers? Will will I will, will they ever be able to have a job? Will they ever have friends? Will they ever fall in love? You know, and and you just and and when you don't see any progress or any steps in the right direction. You sit there and think, you know, what's going to happen here? How, how am I ever going to see anything? How is anything ever going to improve? You know, and, and, then, and then I have medical cannabis roll around and I'm seeing all these major, major signs, just like all these things that I spent years trying to, trying to overcome happened within the first month. Yeah. This is um, this is very, very interesting. You know, as I'm listening to what you have to say, I have so many questions because what <clears throat> what I'm trying to do is take the information that you've given me and to take uh, marijuana polarization the theory that was published by Consciousness Re Research Institute in January, and I'm trying to apply it here. And of course, it works in my mind. The question is. Um, how do I share it with you in a manner that would assist you? What would you like to know? What, what's the question that comes to your mind when it comes to marijuana in the, in the mind? So I guess, and, and I have watched several of your videos, and I, I, I tried to do as much research on you as I could. So I, I guess the, the, the question is, I, okay, let, let's, let's take a couple questions here. How, with without talking about cannabis, how do you think autism affects consciousness? Hmm. Uh, you know, do they do they are they a little bit more sensitive? Are they? You know, there, there's a lot of theories out there, and, and believe me, I, I read them all. I read them all. Some people say that that the kids with autism are more conscious or more spiritual or, or have or have these things. Yeah. And then and then how how do you how do you translate you know i mean you know there there's also i mean to make a to full disclosure here i i did come out of the ayahuasca community i don't mm. know if you're familiar with ayahuasca. i am yes okay. so so years ago i i i did ayahuasca and i i did it 35 times i don't i don't do it anymore i feel like i've learned everything you know that that it's taught me everything i need to know and now it's time for me to to go on with life um so there was a level of me understanding. I, I believe that period of my life helped me understand how to work with plants. Okay. 
and and we're talking here too about consciousness like it it, it, it it was it was a way ayahuasca definitely elevated my consciousness okay i've grown for using that plant mm -hmm. and that was one of the reasons why i thought <clears throat> cannabis may work was because i i personally experienced that on a much different level with with ayahuasca um so i guess my, my question to you is how do you think cannabis helps kids with autism or anyone for that matter of fact in developing their consciousness this is a great question so um i think what we're gravitating towards to say what is autism right because if we understand what is autism then we can understand how marijuana helps autism because in order to understand the mind um we don't need to experiment we need to think about thinking and then we need to experiment we need to have some kind of a hypothesis of what is happening in the mind and the mind is like a jungle we don't really know what's happening in there here we are we're giving resin to a five-year-old administered orally right um what under the tongue uh, they tell you to put it under the tongue, but with court it was difficult. So I basically just rub it on her gums. Okay. I just rub it on her gums. There you go. So she digests that orally. And voila, there's some kind of a mental change. What is happening? Now, we know physically that cannabinoids attach to existing neuropathways in the mind, closing existing ones and opening new ones. But which ones? What decides what's going to open and what's not going to open? Now, whoever, whoever did ayahuasca or psilocybin mushrooms or LSD knows that this is exactly what happens in those psychedelic trips. Some neuropathways close and some open, and we have the ability to observe a different type of reality. Now, we also know that some autistics um, digest reality in a way that normal people don't. What um, here in the institution we call mentypicals. Okay, so um, something happens. I mean, you have autistics who can hear flower grow. You have autistics who can see in patterns of energy. You have autistics who are extremely fast with the way they digest information and extremely fast in the way they interact with the environment. I saw this uh, movie about autistic kid who... Um, you know, to touch a screen, a touch screen, he has to do like, chuk, you know, like with his finger, because, you know, the, uh, the way he interacts with the environment is so intense that he cannot digest all that information at once. Most autistics are sensitoids. They're sensitive. You know, their senses are uh, hyper acute in some form or another, but they seem to be a plethora, uh, um, a chaos when it comes to the various symptoms and hence the doctors telling you you're a lucky one marijuana helped for you because obviously there's some people where it doesn't help for and so um you know we're really in the dark now i want to say a word or two about consciousness research institute it is not affiliated with any university it is um it is an institution that i founded um after six years of marijuana research i was um I never smoked marijuana when I was a kid. I was a virgin and I smoked it first in the age of 35. And I was immediately fascinated with what does it do to our perception of time and space? I just really wanted to understand what happened. My first um, time, you know, uh, with marijuana, um, I, you know, I, I couldn't really, um, 
I couldn't really get stoned. I think I had a lot of fear. And so that particular night, I took five hits. And everybody's like, take another one, take another one. I was like, I'm going to get stoned. I have to figure this out, right? I'm 35 years old. And here I am. My fingers go through a glass of water my wife is handing me. I mean, I got so high because of all these five hits that suddenly hit at once that um, I had a psychedelic experience. And that just drew me in I is I have to figure out what what happens and so I've researched it for about three years and once I started seeing a pattern in the way my mind changes when I smoke marijuana then I quit my job and I've dedicated six more years to this research eventually publishing a theory specifically around our perception of time and now we go back to the question what is autism uh, there's a book called it's about time I got published last month. And in that book, there's an append it's a book that explains how the mind works and how the mind uses time as the pivot, as the hidden pivot on which it fluctuates. Because everything vibrates, our thoughts vibrate. It's electricity. And so time is the hidden pivot. Now, how does that have to do with autism? The one common denominator to all autistics is that their mind is extremely fast. There is a lot of mental activity, and I see you nodding, and please always stop me. Uh, be Israeli about it. I'm Israeli, so I have no tact, right? So just be Israeli about it and tell me errors. I, I, I hear I disagree as a father to two aut uh, autistic children um, who seem to be on a different place in the um, spectrum of consciousness, and we're going to get to that in a second. And so time is that hidden pivot. What does that have to do with autism? Well, Metaphysics, the law of metaphysics tell us that we perceive reality not with one mind, but with two separate minds. One mind thinks, it's called the voluntary mind. It thinks abstractly, it can digest and understand and speak with language. And the other mind perceives reality. And the difference between them in, is in our perception of time. The mind that perceives reality always happens in that same moment. Right, So for you to perceive the chair that you're sitting on, you have to do it in the moment. If you're cold, you're cold now. If, you're, if someone speaks to you, you're hearing me now. A second from now, you can only think about hearing me before, but it doesn't happen in that same moment. Same goes for our perception of pain. Pain hurts right now and so on and so forth, right? And But then there's the thinking mind. Now, this is not new thought. This, you know, philosopher, the ancient philosophers told us this, but science has gravitated away from this type of thinking because we have one brain, and suddenly we analyze the brain and realize that there's one brain. But what if the mind is not the brain? In order to research uh, the, the mind, we need to experience researching what marijuana does to the mind by exploring the brain, what cannabinoids do in the brain, is like researching humor by analyzing our cheek muscles. The mind is metaphysical. It is not physical. Just like love, the, lover of, uh, the love of a father to his child is metaphysical. It is not physical. It is not something that you can ever measure. Some things are immeasurable. And this is where the scientific method has been crippling us because it does not allow us to understand something that cannot be measured because the second step of the scientific me method is measurement. And so what do we do here in Consciousness Research Institute? For the past six years, I've been analyzing what happens in the mind when we smoke marijuana. 
I would sit with people and I interviewed over 300 people. And of course, I've administered marijuana systematically to myself, including a whole year of a break in order to test various differences and ask, what is happening in the mind's eye? What is happening in the mind's ear? Do we hear an inner dialogue? Do we not hear an inner dialogue? What happens to our memory? What happens to our language? And I started seeing patterns. And not only I started seeing patterns, I started seeing patterns also across high-functioning autistics. As a high-functioning autistic myself, I'm very interested in the concept of autism. Now I know that some things are happening to me when I'm getting all in autistic mode. My mind has started, starts to race. If I'm going to look at the screen now versus look into some, somehow uh, um, an, an arbitrarily uh, uh, place in the, in the air that I'm looking in order to think, I'm going to lose my train of thought. I think like a tree. But I also realized that some other people have different um, impact from marijuana. And I started asking, what is the difference? And it turns out, and the hypothesis is, that the difference in our perception of time is closely related to the amount of light with which we use to think. Now, that's a big statement. What does that mean? Some people see with a lot of light. They see colors. They're extremely visual. Some people don't. Some people are completely mentally blind, like me. I cannot see an apple. You can talk about Apple all, all day long. I cannot see anything in my mind eye. It's called aphantasia. There's research from 2014 that explains that about 5 to 6% of the population, um, 2015, sorry, Dr. Zeman from University of Essex, uh, about 5 to 6% of the population are aphantasiacs. But there are people who are hyperphantasiacs. Well, we now see a spectrum between yes light, no light in the mind. Oh, but we also see a spectrum between people who are uh, voluntary thinkers and people who are involuntary thinkers. I'll give you an example. A lot of people, when they think a voluntary logical thought, their mind's eye responds to that logical thought and creates imagery, imagination in their mind's eye as a response to their logical thoughts. But some people are receptive in their mind. That is, their involuntary mind produces imagery, imagination, and they're literally watching it. They're not guiding it. They're guided by it. Now, their logical mind takes the information that they have, that they receive from the involuntary mind, and do something with it. Okay? And it's, it's almost like there's two types of people. In the book, I call them smarties and wisies. Smarty autistics, for example, are very inward. They're thinkers. They process everything logically using their voluntary mind. It's called in metaphysics the masculine mind. It's like a polarity of a magnet, right? And femininely polarized autistics, wisey autistics, are people who experience reality through the body. It's the physical sensation and the perception itself that dictates their mental, mental reality. They're ruled by the sensations in the body. And so there's a fundamental difference between smarties and wisies in the way they perceive time. Smarties perceive time to be slower than what it is. Usually they're not very rigid about time, about um, um, uh, uh, concrete procedures. Uh, they're usually very inward. They don't like to be touched. 
necessarily because there's such high acuteness to their senses, to the involuntary senses. And yet wisey autistics I've seen are usually people who are um, instantaneously present in time. They're perceiving reality in the moment, the second it happens. So when you when you walk in the room and, and your daughter wants a cookie, she says, I want a cookie. And you say, okay, I, uh, in any other day, not the day you, you know, uh, after you gave her um, the resin, but any other day, by the time you respond and say, but you're going to have to come downstairs, already an image was received in her mind's eye or something happened in her mind's eye she's already talking about what she saw there was some kind of a thought or a transition of thought that caused her to detach from the abstract topic of conversation that you've led she cannot hold a thread of conversation the biggest difference between smarties and wiseys is the way that they use literal language. Smarties use literal language abstractly, and wiseys use literal language concretely. So she'll remember apple, dad, cat, all these concrete terms. But abstract terms require a memory over time of abstract concepts. We cannot have memory over time of abstract concepts while watching something in our mind's eye. It's like when you're going to try to watch a movie and your wife is talking in your ear. You can't do both. You have to watch the movie. And so you're losing what she's, the thread of what she's telling you. And if I, I'm totally throwing something out there, I bet that um, your two children are very different when it comes to their relationship to reality when it comes to thinking when it comes to the senses when it comes to their emotional patterns when it comes to the way they perceive reality and the problem is that we can't go to our children we can't go you can't come to me right now and tell me hey show me how you think i can only describe it in words well with autistic children it's even worse because we can't go to them and say well do you see with imagery in your mind's eye you know, we can't. The most we can ask is, what did you just see in your mind, right? But somebody like me, I was 38 years old before I realized that other people see, literally see images in their mind's eye. And so, uh, you know, I would, I would answer thinking that it's a figure of speech. And so it's very difficult for us to access the mind of our children. So now I want to, I, I gave you, um, I threw a lot of information on, you know, I see I'm a little bit in, uh, high-functioning autistic mode. You know, I get anxious in my mind. My mind starts racing. There's so many possibilities and there's so much I want to tell you, so much I want to share with you. And, you know, I start just talking, talking, talking. So I'll pause and I want to ask you, anything in what I said grabs your attention specifically when it comes to your kids? So, so as you were telling me that, one of my favorite philosophers, I'm going to call him a philosopher, is Terence McKenna. Do you know who Terence McKenna is? I do. Okay. And Terence McKenna once said that real innovation comes from people who are not the best in their field. You know, the, the best scientist doesn't come out with this groundbreaking thing. Like, look, for, look at Apple, for example. Apple was started by two college kids that no, no one even took seriously, and it became this revolutionary thing, right? When I heard what you just explained to me right now, I, I get this 
intuitive, this innate sense, you might be on the right track. I, I think you, you're you onto something, and I think you're onto something very legitimate. Uh, you, you know, one of my frustrations in this whole process was that standard medicine, like the, the, the not the marijuana doctor, but like the, the neurological pediatrician, the, the guy who's making four, five, six hundred thousand dollars a year, the guy who's, you know, has all these degrees from Harvard, Princeton, whatever. When it came to autism, they, they didn't do much. They, they couldn't do much. It was, it was like, they didn't know what to do. You know, they told me to do all the basic things, the speech, the OT, the ABA. And like I said, those things helped and they helped, but they helped slow. And I kind of needed some immediate relief, but I, 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 you know, I like what you say. I, I, I think, I think, I think you're, you, I, I think you have the basics of figure. You have the basic building blocks of figuring this out. And, 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 and I think you're, you're definitely on the right track. I think, I think, you know, it's almost like, don't quit, don't quit whatever you're doing. Don't quit it. Just keep on going and it'll come to you. You know what I'm saying? It'll come to you in time because you are the type of guy, you know, if people called me a visionary for doing what I'm doing. You're a visionary with a brilliant scientific mind. I mean, you're really putting some really deep theories to the test. And, and I think, we need to look at it a different way. We need to. Autism isn't going to be solved in a doctor's office. You know, it's it's you know. I feel like that whole community is spinning its wheels, and it's in some ways they're like, well, we really don't know what to do. I don't know. Good luck. Go home and good luck, kind of thing. We hope it works out for you, and you're you know. But you, on the other hand, you're, 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 you're you know, you, 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 you say you have autism. And by the way, I, I would have never guessed that. I, I, you, 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 you look very neuro, neurotypical to me and, and you actually, um, you actually, you know, communicate very well and, and, and you seem like almost, you know, and you seem very intelligent. Right. And, and this is another thing too, that to consider with, with autism, there's kids I've seen with autism and people some of them border on genius, hmm. you know? So there's like this, you know, there, there's like this, like, and some of them might be a genius in computer programming, but not be able to write a paragraph. Hmm. Right. So there, so there's this really like, uh, you know, there's really like this, 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 the scattered skills kind of a- aspect to it all. So in, in saying that, I mean, I think, if, if we're going to really figure this out and if we're going to be able to provide long-term relief across the board, we need this type of thinking, hmm. you know, and, and, and for, for, from what I've learned from you, you know, you're, you're thinking outside the box because ultimately autism is outside the box. It is. Go ahead. It is. It, it's almost so, so, wow. So much I want to share with you. So first of all, thank you. Of course, um, uh, I when I asked, I meant, did you see any patterns with your kids that match these descriptions? And you gave me, you know, so I analyze speech. When somebody speaks, I immediately think, are they talking abstractly or they're talking concretely? Because depends on your polarization of your mind, your speech is going to be different. And you just described an abstract pattern, you know, the state of our understanding of autism. Uh, and you described what you were seeing and what I was saying abstractly. 
you seem like a smarty to me, but I wouldn't I wouldn't bet on it yet. Um, uh, the difference between smarty, how's your perception of time? Um, who's in your relationship with your wife, I'm assuming partner, right? Right. Wife. Yep. Um, who's the, the one that's always rushing the other one in the physical world. And who's the, the one that takes his time and who's the one that's rushing the other one in the mind. And who's the one that takes his time. I see. I I would say I I I I feel I rushed. I feel rushed, and I think she takes her time. So I, that would be interesting to ask her. I, I, after after this is over, I'm gonna I'm going to ask her that because you know it, 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 I mean you're hitting on a very deep level a, a perception of time. You know, yeah, I feel like I view time as a resource, right? Time is a resource, and I've always said this. I said time's a resource because you could turn money into time, mm-hmm. right? So, so, so money in, in this, in this culture that we have here of capitalism, you know, money, money is a very important resource and, and how you, tr- how you create money largely is through your own time. Notice, so notice tried- that you're abstract again, but are you on time usually? Yeah, usually, usually. Yes. Yes. Are you, um, are you an ex soldier? Are you a veteran? No. No, I'm not. I, I see medals. I, I see medals. I've taken a lot of, 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 you know, when I, I was really beating myself up a lot about having kids with autism, and I wondered if, if I was some kind of genetic carrier of something. So I would take, I would take a lot of tests. Do you have autism? Like online, online, online quiz. And I took like five or six of them. And I usually come up one or two points below being, the, you know, autism stress threshold. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I missed that. I missed that by a couple of, 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 of points. So I, I think I definitely have some tendencies, right? And like you, you said this earlier, you said we all are kind of on the spectrum to a degree. Um, you know, it's just kind of how functioning we are. Yeah. Let, let's, okay, so let's, uh, of course, yeah, suddenly I really want to analyze your mind, but that will take us away from the topic of conversation. So I want to try and explain what happens in your daughter's mind when you give her uh, marijuana and explain why the change in speech and the reduction in tantrums using marijuana polarization theory. Now, before I do that, I want to ask you a question. Do you have any idea as to the percentage of THC or CBD in the resin that you've given her? Right. So that, that first one, that was about, it was, it was a, uh, it was a one-to-one. So it was one, uh, 32% THC, 32% CBD. 32% CBD, 32%, excellent. And uh, wow, that's really high percentage, but I guess it makes sense if it's um, uh, administered orally. Okay, and then, and you've given her so little, we can see that in the video, um, so that makes sense. Now, is there any other ratios that you've received or just equal oh, yeah, ratios? I, I, yeah, I, I've tried I've tried some, some lower ratio THCs and CBDs, um, I've tried like I think I think it was a six percent or an eight percent, and and I, I I didn't. If it helped, it helped minimally. Yeah. Um. So only the concentration was different, but the ratio of THC to CBD was always similar. It was always the same. Uh, yeah, I always use one. I always use a one to one. Yeah. Um. It seems that CBD. Uh, we don't know exactly what CBD does, but it seems that CBD cancels some of the psychoactive effects of THC, and I think that um, 
you know, this is a good thing. <laughs> um, but in general, the idea is that marijuana changes the speed of the voluntary thought and thus changes our perception of time. Anybody who ever smoked a joint uh, immediately can feel that time perception is changing. Now, the faster our voluntary thought, the slower time seems to pass. So we think we have a lot more time than what we really do. And the faster um, time, time passes, or shall we say the slower our uh, voluntary thought, the faster time seems to pass and more present we are in the experience. So for example, when you know we meditate and time disappears, or when we watch a movie and it's really exciting and um, uh, you know the movie's suddenly over, we're like, oh my God, this felt like five minutes time disappears when we're present, when we're playing with our kids and we're fully immersed, time just disappears. Time flies when we're having fun, we say. And so when does time slow down? Time slow down is when we're thinking more. We're at the DMV, we have nothing to do, our phone just died, we can't even watch whatever TV show that we're watching. We're just sitting and waiting, our mind starts running, time starts going slower. And we know that also from when um, you know, there's, God forbid, an accident or something like that. When we really think that, you know, when we have a brush with death or whatnot, time slows down. Well, how can time slow down? Or our, the speed of our voluntary thought goes much faster. Now, if we remember that there's two minds, that one mind imagines and one mind thinks, one mind, uh, I'll, I'll, how about I'll always start from the mind that thinks. We're just going to do it going forward. I'll always start from the mind that thinks for the masculine mind so I don't confuse. One mind thinks, one mind imagines. One mind is uh, logical and rational, and one mind is always uh, in, uh, intuitive, instantaneous. It just When I say, hey, think of a tower, well, some of us will think of the Eiffel Tower. Some of us will think of the tower we saw in Game of Thrones. Some of us, well, if I say, think of the Eiffel Tower. Well, you're thinking of the Eiffel Tower, but your involuntary mind projects some kind of a picture of the Eiffel Tower that you've either seen or some imagination of the Eiffel Tower that you've experienced. Okay, so the involuntary mind is involuntary. It does whatever we, uh, whatever it wants. Even if we guide it using the voluntary thought, we're still guiding it and images pop regardless of how we want them to pop. This is exactly the definition of PTSD. What happens in PTSD is that the involuntary mind starts throwing memories at us of sounds, of images from an experience that we actually want to forget and things that remind us of it. When we, oh, I'm going to tell you, hey, don't think of elephants. Well, the only thing you're going to be able to think about is elephants. It's the same thing with PTSD. It throws it. When I say it, there's a particular part of our mind that does that. Um, in psychology, we call it the subconscious. In metaphysics, it's called the feminine mind, the involuntary mind. It'll throw at us various sounds and images from the experience, and we have no control. We don't have enough control in order to tell it to stop, in order to... Uh, so our, our involuntary mind takes over, becomes dominant. Okay, What happens in schizophrenia? Uh, what happens under ayahuasca? What happens under LSD? Our involuntary mind takes over. It takes care of the story. 
the regular story that is held by our voluntary, by our masculine mind that tells the story of our lives. I'm Ares. I'm sitting here. I'm talking in a microphone to Jeremy. I'm, I studied the mind. You know, I study marijuana, so on and so forth. This is my story. If I take ayahuasca, that story disappears. Anybody who did ayahuasca knows that. There is a, a perception of reality, a narrative that goes away. When the involuntary mind takes over, if it takes over to the point that it, it, it tells you a story that is not logical, it starts projecting things into your observed, observed reality that are not logical, suddenly you see things that don't really exist. Because if your mind's eye, a lot of people see so vividly in their mind's eye that they can see spiders crawling up the wall, even though they don't really exist. Because their mind, their voluntary mind, their logical mind, their self-conscious mind knows that there's no such thing as huge giant spiders that are crawling on the wall. But their involuntary mind shows them. That's schizophrenia, right? And of course, you have uh, visual schizophrenia and auditory schizophrenia. The only difference in who controls the voluntary or the involuntary mind has to do with our perception of time. Well, generally, sativa-dominant strains will slow down our perception of time, and indica-dominant strains will speed up our perception of time because they make us more present in the experience itself. And so, to me, it makes sense that by slowing down the perception of your daughter's mind, she's suddenly able, she has longer time to think voluntarily per unit of time and thus maintain the story of the conversation that you're holding with her. The faster she can run her voluntary mind, the more abstract terms she'll understand. Because in order to hold an abstract term, let me explain the difference between a question and a statement. By the time you say the word statement, she doesn't remember that you're trying to explain to her the difference between a question and a statement. It's too abstract of a concept. To, for her to hold that, she needs to not have involuntary either imagery or sounds. We don't know which one, and there's a way to determine that. Um, we, we, we don't know what's happening in her mind, but by the time you finish the sentence, she already forgotten the subject because the subject is abstract. What's the difference between abstract language and concrete language? The only difference, Jeremy, is our perception of time. The more timeless a term is, the more abstract it is. Fruit is more abstract than apple, right? Fairness is a lot more abstract than let's split the sandwich, right? And so the more abstract the word is, love, super abstract, the more timeless it is. And the more time-bound something is, this microphone that I'm speaking to right now, it's a microphone that exists in time. It was created in a particular date, and one day it will be thrown to the garbage, right? It'll happen. And so it's bound in time. The more something bound in time, cat, dog, father, uh, cookie, the more it's concrete, the more we can see it in our mind's eye the more we can sense it, even if we're blind in our mind's eye. Therefore, the more concrete speakers we are. And so you have two types of autistics, and you have two types of speech issues, and they're both related to the speed of the mind. Smarties autistics, their mind runs too fast and too abstract for them to put it in words. They're just literally, they process things so fast. It's almost as if, like, you know, you're trying to say things so fast that eventually... The words, you're just not going to have any words. You're trying to speak so fast that you're, 
nothing. It's like a, a wheel with spokes that runs so fast, eventually you see it going really slow. Because at some point you can't catch up the speed to what you want to say. If the terms become too abstract, we have no words to describe them. It took me two and a half years to describe how the mind works. I could see it in my mind's eye, not see it visually, but you see I use that term loosely as a figure of speech. I, I could feel it in my sense it, uh, think it in my mind's eye, but I had to translate it to words. I had to slow down everything to translate it. And then you have the other side of autistics. You have autistics that are wisey autistics that sense everything through the body and are in, their involuntary mind rules. And it goes so fast that they have hard time expressing and understanding, digesting abstract thought. Usually these type of autistics are going to be autistics who are going to be more uh, bound to uh, concrete procedures. They're more bound in time. They like this thing to happen after this one. And in the morning when I wake up, I like this to happen. Sort of like a, uh, um, I would say that uh, Dustin Hoffman in Rain Man was more that wisey autistics than a smarty autistic, but they kind of mixed a few things there. And, you know, if you read interviews, you know that they, they mixed a whole bunch of characters. But I would say if an autistic is obsessive compulsive about concrete rituals in life, most likely they're a wisey autistic, not a smarty autistic. I'll tell you a little story, Jeremy, and you might be able to resonate. Then I want to ask you questions about your kids. Um, Hava, the, the young girl I was telling you about that I was working with, the autistic, uh, she was playing memory games with her mother. And you know these memory games where you flip tiles and you have to find the right two tiles? So check this out. So she plays that memory game. And, you know, there's sort of like she loves winning. Wiseys love winning. Would you say Cora loves winning, love being... You know, she, she's, not, she's not really into games. I, I, maybe, I, I, I don't think, she's, I don't have enough evidence on that. Yeah, and, yeah she's, and she's very young too. But anyway, I, t I took a turn here. This is what I mean when I say that I'm a high-functioning autistic. I, my, when my mind goes, it's just like, you know, hard for me to maintain the trunk of conversation when I get excited. But anyway, um, and she loves winning. She loves winning, Hava. And they play the game. And, you know, I see that her mom uh, organizes the tiles in, uh, you know, in rows, in rows and columns, okay? So I tell her, I said, hey, listen, your daughter is extremely visual. She's a wisey autistic. Mess it up. The second she messed it up, her daughter started winning two to one. Her pile was so much higher of her mother. Her visual memory was so much better. More than that, we started noticing that the first tile she was always picking up was the same one. It was the ducks. She wanted to find the couple of the ducks. Now, she knew that she's picking up the tile of the ducks, but we couldn't explain the abstract concept to her that if you first pick up a tile that you don't know, then you're maximizing your chances of getting another couple, right? Because if you always pick up the first tile that you know, then you have to find the ducks. We couldn't understand. And even though that she would pick up again and again the same tile, she still won two to one. Okay? Why? Because her mind is so vividly visual that allows her to remember the relative location of the tiles, but only if they're messy. Only if they're messy. Why? Because if it's in, in rows and columns... Uh, her the involuntary mind n is never rational is never logical is never um 
algorithmic. It's never geometric. It is the voluntary mind, the masculine mind that does all that. And so by observing the behavior of uh, the kids, we can learn about how their mind works. And you can learn about your two children, how their mind works. Are they more visual? Are they more auditory? Do they think in pictures? Do they not? Do they have more of abstract language? Do they understand abstract language? Do they understand more concrete language? And with that, we can then know how marijuana can help or not help. Here's the tricky thing with, with kids. When you talk about resin, usually we don't know if it's a high sativa or a high indica. Or even if we know, we definitely, it's usually more than one strain. And if I had, you know, an adult autistic comes to me and I interview them and I say, okay, this autistic is definitely a smarty. So I definitely want to slow down their minds so that they become more um, uh, aware of their body. Okay. Then what I would do is I would give them an indica THC. When, when I'm totally mental and if I'll smoke indica THC, I become aware of my body and I become a lot more in my body than in my head. And so, for example, I've used indica THC in order to learn how to do yoga. Now I can do yoga without it. But in the beginning, my wife, she's a yoga teacher, she says, send the energy to, the, uh, um, to your toes. I didn't know what that meant. I was like, what do you mean? Do you mean touch them? She's like, no, send the energy to them. Well, she feels it. She's a wisey. She feels her body. I didn't. But with indica, I was able to. And so developing language with autistics, indica, THC, can help um, autistics who are smarties because it can help them develop concrete thought and slow down their mind to the point that they can actually speak and what was the terms you've used for your mind? Uh, speaking not loud enough or not clear enough. Um, struggle with intonation, you said. Interesting. So um, I will have to hear it, but it'll be fascinating to test the theory. And as a father, I bet you will be able to do it. Test the theory of his mind is simply too fast. Okay. And, but abstract. His mind is capable of understanding abstract thought, but it's simply too fast to express the abstract thought that he's trying to convey. What happens when we're trying to convey an abstract thought we don't uh, and we don't have the words for it? We don't complete sentences. We can't find the words. We're not sure about how to say it, so we speak um, uh, with you know uh, less volume. Now, with a wisey autistic, if I was working with an adult, I would treat them with sativa THC because sativa THC will speed up the voluntary mind, which will cause it to take control over the involuntary mind. And therefore, their involuntary imagination will slow down and they'll be able to further and further pave new neural pathways that are voluntary, logical, abstract. Voila, language starts to form. Does that make sense at all? Absolutely, man. I'm sitting here taking notes, and I, and I really, I really got to read this book. It's, I really got to read this book. I, I mean, this is the first time someone has put kind of like a, a roadmap in front of me for for, for what might help, uh, help help my kids more specifically. I, I when we start thinking about the way we think, we start thinking differently. Kids. Especially wiseys, you have to know this. Wiseys do not think about the way they think. 
smarties do. If your son is, if TJ is indeed a, a smarty, at some point you'll start be able to talk to him about his mind, about what happens in his mind. And the more you'll reveal about what happens in his mind, the more you'll know how to talk to him and how to develop language with him. Um, in the book, it's called It's About Time. It's on Amazon. Just search for my name, A-E-R-E-Z, and last name, B-A-T-A-T. In the book, I describe how the mind works based on this, uh, what's called time polarization theory. And then I show in the second part of the book, the differences between wises and smarties. That is, what questions do we want to ask um, in order to understand if somebody is a wisey or a smarty and how to talk to them. Okay, now the book is not focused on autism. And I do want to stress, Jeremy, this is, this is pioneer work that uh, I know I don't see the entire picture. I know I don't have the complete picture. When you said before, I did, you know, I, I tend to put my heart on a sleeve and I'll do this here as well. When you said before, errors do not stop, continue what you're doing. You're saying this in a day where I literally, this morning I thought to quit. I have given this research everything I had. I've invested my money, my time, I'm, my wife and I, I mean, luckily we're still best friends, but I, she's soon to become my ex-wife. And I know that it's because I've dedicated the last six years for this research. And yet, when I see a possible opportunity, a ray of light to give someone an under, a better understanding to how to speak with their child, or even just to give them the, the, the understanding that their child is okay, it's just that their mind is extremely fast, then we're, uh, we're, um, then it's all worth it. There is a structure and a mechanism to the way we think. Regardless of what science says or doesn't say, it does not matter. There is a structure and a mechanism. And the second we see that this mechanism pivots on time, everything starts falling into place and the picture suddenly becomes clear, like a three-dimensional object coming out of a uh, one of those messy pictures. We start realizing why we speak the way we speak. We start realizing what we remember or don't remember what we remember or don't remember. And we start understanding what marijuana does to the mind. I'll give you two an anecdotal little things. When my wife, my wife is a hardcore wisey. She's an abstract painter. She sees an imagery in multiple millions of colors. Her involuntary mind controls. When she smokes sativa, she sees less visuals in her mind's eye, and she can then hear her inner dialogue, but usually she's deaf in her mind's ear. If she, if she listens to a, uh, a song, she can listen to the same song 10 minutes later, and I tell you that from experience. She can listen to the same song 10 minutes later, and she'll be like, I'll tell her, hey, it's the same song as 10 minutes ago. She'll be like, no way. She doesn't remember the verbal conversations that we took, only the, the sensations, the emotions of the conversation. Okay? Why is he through and through? When she smokes high indica, her visuals become monochrome, like uh, all brown, almost as if she goes towards sunset. Okay, marijuana changes the amount of light with which we used to think by changing our perception of time. Now, me, I'm an aphantasiac. It doesn't matter how much indigo I'm going to smoke. It doesn't matter um, uh, even on, uh, I tried psilocybin mushrooms. I tried LSD. I tried even DMT. I do not see anything with imagery, nothing. There is so much to learn about the mind. I'm telling you all these anecdotal stories so that you'll see how much I don't know. But I know one thing. 
I know that time is the hidden pivot of the mind and people like you, people like me, through observation only, are going to be able to figure out how the mind works and how marijuana works. And this is the reason why this podcast was established. So that I can, and I know I say a lot in an interview that I should be interviewing you, I, there's so many questions I want to ask you about your kids, but it was important to me to send that message. And it would be if you would be willing to come back and be interviewed again, so I can keep asking you questions about the way your kids' mind work so we can figure this out and help others, others who might be afraid to try marijuana with their mind, with their kids, and others who tried... But let's say that the resin they've given their children was sativa and their child was a smarty autistic. There is a high likelihood that you're not going to see any improvement. In fact, you might even see that, that the kid goes inward even more. Because with sativa, my autistic symptoms become heightened. I mean, you see me now, I'm engaged in this and that. Yes, you have a question or want to say something. Yeah, I yeah no, no, I, I agree. And, and so ironically... Um, a couple things. Number one, uh, for, for the, there, there's a lot of, of cannabis research going on with autism in Israel, and, and you said you're Jewish, so so how, how you know how, how awesome is that? Um, and and what, what they're finding is is they're they're finding that medical marijuana is about fifty to sixty percent effective with kids with autism. Now, it's interesting because essentially you have two strains. Well, you do have hybrids, but you have two strains, indica, sativa, and then, um, and then you have hybrids. So, uh, you know, how, how much better would their research be if, if they were able to apply your theory to that, right? Like, like how, how much more benefit would they see if they're able to take the roadmap that you're providing here and run with it? I, I have to answer this in a very, very delicate way. But just before I do that, let me connect this computer to the electric power or else I would lose you altogether. One second. Sure. Better. Um, you're absolutely right. I have to tell you, um, it's more difficult than it seems to cooperate and collaborate with people who've been investigating this for so long. I've been in communication with Rafael Meshulam, the guy who found THC, and he's a very sweet man. He won, you know, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. And I've been in communication with him. I sent him the theory. I've spoken to a doctor in Tel Aviv University who is uh, uh, Israel's probably leading specialist of the, of the brain. The problem is language. The second these people hear me speak in terms of metaphysics, they're such hardcore scientists that they have a hard time digesting what I'm telling them. For them to actually digest it, they have to sit, they have to listen. And it's very hard when you all your life you've been so dedicated to the measurement, to the scientific method, to start thinking in terms of metaphysics is very, very hard. The mind... The laws of metaphysics are not like the laws of physics. They're very, very different. In physics, for example, everything strives to rest unless being acted upon by an external object, by an external energy. In metaphysics, it's the opposite. Everything vibrates. Everything moves all the time, powered by itself. 
and it strives for equilibrium, strive to uh, complete itself. The laws are completely different. The language is very different. And so I'm literally at the point, I published my theory uh, last September, finished my book this January. You are catching me, Jeremy, literally at the point where I'm saying to the world, listen, listen, there's something interesting here. I've run into people with, uh, uh, with uh, I can only translate as ego, that you know they wrote their own theories and were either intimidated or something. I've run into people who just didn't understand my language. I've run into people who did not believe this grandiose-like idea that maybe there is something here that really is true. And the second they heard that I've smoked marijuana, then there's like, oh, well, of course, marijuana is grandiose, so Ares is probably grandiose. And, you know, it's like, but what if? What if it's true? There has not been one person, either with autism or a parent of a person with autism, who did not hear what I had to say and said, whoa, this fits. And so I'm with you. And this is exactly why I've set up this podcast. I've set up this podcast to generate as much, um, how should we say, momentum as possible from the community of those who want to understand how marijuana works so that together we can we can become strong and we can actually test the effect of this substance by legally because now that it's becoming legal by legally administering it to the people to to ourselves to the people that we love who need help and report our findings in some kind of a particular form that's going to allow us to figure it out because if we're going to wait for academia to wait for legalization it's just not going to happen in time. There's enough of us that can use marijuana legally and can report on their findings because when it comes to the mind, all we have to have is a mind because we can all analyze the way we think and we can all analyze the way other people think by observation. When it comes to the mind, we were all created in one image. That's the beauty with metaphysics. And when it comes to marijuana, there is a structure, there is a mechanism, there is a pattern with which it's impacting us. Every impact of marijuana, every um, effect that the uh, substance is giving us is a result of a change in our perception of time. For example, when we smoke sativa, our time perception slows down. We have more time to process thought in any given time unit. Therefore, our involuntary senses become more acute and yet our ability to focus our senses, like uh, to be present when eating something, becomes lessened. Why? Because our mind is racing. We analyze. We analyze everything. We analyze why we like this taste and, oh, when's the last time I ate it? And so on and so forth. And yet when we uh, smoke indica THC, we're allow allowing ourselves to focus our senses and our involuntary senses become duller. And so there is a logic here. I'm getting excited because I'm so passionate about it and I'm having, I'm literally having a hard time getting people to listen to me who are the, the intellectuals who's trying to figure it out. And yet people who are parent, uh, parents, people who are, um, um, uh, patients, people who really care, get it. And so, uh, yeah. You, you got you got to understand it's it's the toughest thing about being a visionary is that you're usually right. Hmm. The second toughest is that most people aren't ready to hear it. 
So, so you, you're, you know, since this is a podcast, I'll use this example. When they first found radio waves, they weren't radio waves and they weren't selling advertisements and they didn't have these big radio companies. It was merely just a form of radiation. Do you understand? And, 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 and nobody knew what to do with it. And people cast off those scientists and said, this is a black hole. We spent so much money on research on it. This is never going to have a use for, for it. You know, on the flip side, they told Steve Wozniak, who, who, in, who in, in, in the world would ever need a personal computer, right? So it, it's, it's, it's the burden. You know, I, I see you as a visionary, and I think you see me as a visionary. And I think it's the burden that we share, right? It, it's, 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 it takes years. It, it, it takes years to develop this. But, but, but really, I, you've, again, as a parent who's lived it every day for five years – I mean, you've told me more than the neurological pediatricians who've sat there and 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 just kind of given me a diagnosis and kind of said good luck. So this is how we solve autism. It's guys like you, maybe not exactly you, but but it's your thinking that needs to be out there. It, it, it's this kind of out of the you have you know you have to pursue this because this this could be you know. Even if you don't hit a home run with this, this could be the basis of, of a, a further, uh, more in-depth study mm-hmm. yeah. when the time's right. You know, you, you, you're, you're the starting point, right? I mean, we're the groundbreakers. But who knows where this is going to be 30 years from now or 10 years from now? Yeah. You know, I mean, who knows? I mean, there's, there's a lot of talk of recreational marijuana. There, there's, you know, there's the, – the perception of this will change in time it's it's only a matter of time and 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 maybe that that will then become your time thank you thank you for that reminder and thank you again for all the encouraging words and um so i want to go back to you and your life and how your life can be better um you know marijuana has its downsides i can tell you that from experience i've smoked marijuana systematically for now probably nine years and especially in the last six years and I can tell you there's times like, oh, I so don't want to alter my consciousness again using marijuana. Every time I smoke, I can, because I, you know, see how the mind works, I see how uh, my short-term memory gets impact either abstractly or concretely. I see how long it takes, you know, it take about a week for it to become perfectly clear again, so on and so forth. There is impact. The idea is to use marijuana only as a catalyst, as a tool, and to do the work to pave the newer pathway so that we don't need it. And we cannot, and it's, it's, it exists out there. There's a lot of autistics, especially high-functioning autistics, that are dependent on marijuana. And that's the last thing I want to promote. What I want to promote is for us to understand how it works so that we know what to give to those who need it. And my question to you would be, how can I help you? Are there particular patterns of behavior that you can describe to me? Things that came to your mind as I was speaking. Are there, I, I know from the, um, from the news bit that I saw on Facebook, uh, from that news, news show, that they said that you will explore the possibility of using medical marijuana for your son. Um, and I did. Yeah, I did. I, I eventually did get, get him on medical marijuana. Um, it, it, it's worked out well for him. Uh, you know, Ever since I started medical marijuana, the, the, the teachers at school are telling me he is talking louder 
and he is and he's he's talking with a little bit more confidence and he's talking a little bit cleaner and he's able to he sings in front of class so i, I you know it's funny to see how that 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 of medical marijuana applied to that i mean in it, it, it with the, the intonation of the words he still needs help with um you know just generally talking more he's quiet he's you know the the they say that there's, you know some people are just quiet. Some people just don't talk a lot. And TJ, my son, may fall into that in, in, into that category. Hmm. But I know since I started him on it, he's he's he, he's just he's just able to do those things better. And 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 I think they they've even you know I just had a meeting this morning about him and. Um, they're looking to put him in a regular kindergarten class. We're mm. thinking about actually trying him in a regular kindergarten class. So all those things have happened since I've started medical marijuana. And it's, it's only been like three months or so. Wow. Um, are you administering to both of them the same resin? With TJ, I actually give a, a hybrid strain um, that's, it's not a resin as much as it's a tincture. Okay. Um, so it's a tincture and it, and, and it is, it is a lower dose. I, I don't, I, I feel just in, intuitively that TJ doesn't need as high. It doesn't need the 32% THC CBD. I think he could get away with somewhere around like an 8% or a 12%. Okay. So. And you still you don't know if it's indica or sativa. No, I I, I don't I, I don't I, I shouldn't I should know that. Um, um, I mean, I, I think this you, is you, given TJ is a hybrid. I think it's a hybrid strain. Right, but the question is, you know, if we, so we can think about marijuana, the spectrum, all the way from zero uh, from one hundred slash zero, indica always comes first. Um, so one hundred percent indica, zero percent sativa, all the way through fifty fifty to zero one hundred, right? And the reason um, why, I mean, first of all, you might not know because the people who give it to you might not know as well. Um, but usually it's going to be either um, significantly sativa or significantly indigo, which means it's, you know, it has a sativa hybrid or an indigo hybrid. And the reason why that's so interesting to me, well, first of all, I haven't uh, heard from you about how TJ is in terms of, you know, his behavior, but it'll be interesting to know if, there's a difference in the polarity of the plant, uh, indigo versus sativa, that is the strain type between, um, between your kids, not just the um, percentage of THC and CBD that you're administrating. Right. Tell me about the, so, yeah, go he, ahead. TJ doesn't have any behaviors, right? He, and this, this is why I kind of drug my feet with, with putting him on medical marijuana. He doesn't have any outward behaviors. He's, he's you know, the, what what was the characteristic? Who's the one that's more in, inside their own mind or inside smarties. their own yeah. smarties? Okay, so TJ may very well be a smarty because he doesn't outwardly, you know, he do, he doesn't come out, out of a shell. He's in a shell almost, you know, and he's real quiet. And 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 this may lead to why he's so quiet too, right? Um, he, he you know, he doesn't necessarily feel the need to 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 talk. I almost feel it sometimes. It's not, it's not a matter of that he can't. But does he need to? You know, because I think he's comfortable in his own skin. Yeah, I've noticed that with uh, some smarty, um, smart, some smarty people, super smarties, I call them, uh, when they smoke sativa, 
what happens, their mind is actually going faster, but it focuses. And so there is more clarity of thought and less anxiety. Um, usually smarties exhibit anxiety in the body and wiseys exhibit irritation and agitation in the body that they, they, um, they gravitate more towards anger tantrum. Uh, that's wiseys. Smarties usually will gravitate towards fear, toward more physical anxiety. Uh, would you say that that resonates with, um, with TJ and, um, Cora? Yeah. Yeah. For, from, from now, you know, from now, what what you're saying is, I, I really feel that 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 TJ's more the smarty, and Core's more the wisey. There's something more I want to share with you about the way that the mind of a wisey and a smarty works when it comes to memory, because there's a fundamental difference in the way smarties and wiseys remember things, and I want to tell you that so that you'll have a tool when you continuously discuss things with your kids and you know do things with your kids. Um, that you'll know that this difference exists there, and and thus your speech might need to be different. Uh, let me start with the. Hmm, let me start with wiseys. I know I said I'll always start with smarties, but it's almost easier with wiseys. Wiseys remember everything on a timeline. Everything happened in a particular point in time, and that time associates with the sensations of whatever happened. So. Um, they'll remember experiences and they'll know when they're ha when they happen. If this experience happened before that, it's almost as if they have some kind of a, a timeline in their mind and everything sprouts, all events contextually sprout from that timeline. And I'll give you an example. My wife is like that. And so, you know, um, I will say, hey, do you remember that place in um, this house in the South Hill here in Spokane where I almost threw up? And she's like, well, was that was before or after you quit your job? And I'll say, well, I don't know, because I'm a smarty. I don't track time, right? And I'll say, uh, before. And she said, well, it couldn't have been Michael's house, because Michael's house, we only went to visit him for the first time after. It was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it was a guy's house. And they had a big kitchen and a lot of lights, because I remember the lights were really uh, intense for me. And she said, oh, it was Michael's house. And just for you to know, it was after you quit your job. So she arranges everything logically in her mind's eye based on the you know, on, on the sequence in which it happened. And so wisees, I'm talking about adults now specifically, because it's harder with kids because kids are so receptive and, you know, kind of follow what, what's being dictated. But wisey adults are, you know, you tell them something, hey, we should go blah, blah, blah. It's like, when? They always want to know when, when something happened, when something will happen. They always say, oh, you told so-and-so that you're getting a divorce. When, when did you tell them? Because they always want to associate that with the time and they know when they told other people and when they saw the Facebook message from that person. So they want to know if the Facebook message was before, or after I told them about that my wife and I are getting a divorce, right? And so smarties don't do that. They think like trees of thought, trees of contextual reasoning. So I can, I have a tree in my mind of all the times that I ever threw up in my life. And one of those branches is, is Michael's house, but I don't remember what came first and what came after. I don't remember things sequentially in time. My anchor is space. I can remember even the angle, uh, not visually, but I can remember where I was when I, th all the times that I threw up and even like geometrically sort of the angle, but I don't remember when it was, what year it was. That's very hard for me to deduce. But I can create abstract patterns, contextual patterns in my mind. And so I'm giving you the two scales of the spectrum because you can start watching your kid's behavior 
and things that you tell them and start noticing who's more focused on when things take place and who's more focused on what is taking place. Who's more the storyteller in their mind, that is, observe, observes reality from the storyteller perspective, analyzing it almost like literally the storyteller, um, abstractly, and, and the person who is actually experiencing reality and experiencing it in time, instantaneously. And then you'll know whose mind is ruled by the voluntary mind, the storyteller, the self-conscious mind, or the involuntary mind, the mind that experiences, the mind that lives the story. The hero doesn't tell the story, he just lives the story. It's the storyteller that knows what, you know, how to contextually connect all the pieces. And so, I don't know, it was just this intuitive place to tell you a little bit about memory, because the way we remember, the way we commit things to memory impacts our language, impacts how we're going to be able to speak, impact what we're going to say. And that's really important. Um, it's a lot of information I'm throwing at you, and it's a lot to digest. And so I don't want to keep doing it. Um, what I would love is to find a way to help you that is more structured. Um, Maybe there's particular behavior pattern that you write down over time and you come back on the podcast and you ask me about them. Or maybe there's uh, things that you want to know about particular topics uh, that, as it comes to the mind um, that you think might help you. But I want to find a way to help you in a more structured way than just throwing information at you. So, so listen, here, here's a couple things. I... And what I'm going to do is after we leave this podcast, I'm going to go on Amazon. I'm going to buy your book. I'm going to read it. Um, I'm, I'm actually going to, I'm going to find out. I, I so Cora is the wisey. I'm going to make sure she's on, she's on a sativa. And then TJ's the smarty. I'm going to make sure he's on an Indica and I'm going to track their progress. I'm going to see if, if number one, I got to find out what, what are they on right now? Um, and then I'll, I'll find that out through, through a couple of internet researchers. All right. And then I'm gonna if and then I will if I if I need to change it through your through through your uh, philosophy, I'll I'll change it and then, and then I'm gonna start to mark what I see differently. Hmm. Okay, so if there was a change, like if, if TJ TJ the is TJ's the the smarty, so he should be on indica. If he's if he right now let's say he's on a sativa, um, or a hybrid, I'm gonna go. I move to straight indica. And let's no, see what what yeah. difference do I see. So so I, 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 I want I want to stop you there because it, this is why I mentioned before that some super smarties sativa helps them because it reduces anxiety and actually focuses their mind, but it actually speed it makes it faster, right? Um, so here's the deal: if something works, don't rush and change it. Remember. Um, I'm giving you the theory and you are the father of the only one who can really observe the situation and, and make a decision. So, you know, just take it one step at a time. But I would say this, if you see over time, read the book, uh, uh, make a determination, ask your children questions, play with them games, you'll be able to, you're, you're a smart guy. The second you're going to get that theory uh, sort of see the whole picture, you're going to know if your son is a wisey or a smarty. Let's say he's a smarty. If he's a smarty, start observing his relationship to his body. Is he in his body? Is he 
capable of being present in his body or always in his thought. Now, you want to make sure that you are letting him develop to be whatever he is versus saying, well, he needs to also uh, have body awareness, so let me give him indiga in order to enhance that body awareness. Uh, I, I don't know if I would do that because at the end of the day, he is a kid and his mind is still developing and we all have a gravitation towards a wise you are smarty. I would only try to treat um, dis-ease, that is some kind of a dysfunctional area where you want him to develop just like everybody else. But I would be caution to um, sort of try to expand his consciousness just because you want him to be well-balanced. Do you understand the difference? Right. I yeah, want you to yeah, really yeah, truly yeah, understand. Yeah, understand how marijuana works and understand your child's mind, and then use it wisely in areas where you see that he's either falling behind or need help with or suffers. If you see that he's, if you start recognizing patterns of anxiety in the mind, patterns of anxiety in the mind is uh, uh, weird hand movements. You know, there's a lot of flailing that happens, right? But there's two types. A lot of obsessive compulsive traits he does he's he, i i think he's a bit he's a bit obsessive compulsive can you describe because i want to know if it's abstract obsessive compulsiveness or concrete give me an example sure so so um here, here's a good example a few years ago when we took him to the beach for the first time most kids just run and play in the beach but he had this little routine where he would pick up the sand he throw it in the water because he could see the he could see the the sand hitting the water and sprinkling on, on the ocean. And then he'd walk over and, and let a couple waves hit him. And then he'd come back and then he'd run to his mommy. And then he'd start the ritual all over again. And he'd do this ritual of throwing sand in the water, letting the waves hit him and running back to his mommy. Mm -hmm. Sounds to me like an abstract thinker. There's a bigger story that is happening there that he is probably not capable to articulate. But he was watching something and there's some kind of a response with his mother that he, he he was weaving a bigger story and the bigger the cycle the obsessive compulsive cycle the, uh, the 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 more abstract the story that is running in his mind in his mind there was a direct connection between what he was doing between the waves that were hitting between the going to the mother and coming back to the beach it wasn't just random there was a story there and he kept remembering kept doing it uh, it's it it's um it, it makes sense to me that he would be more of a smarty um but but do you have another example for such behavior i i um he'll he'll watch he'll watch a lot of of videos like youtube videos and he'll watch the intro like um you know like if you've ever seen like the fox um the, the the you know how how it's like their logo comes up and then you have that like i think it's like a a trumpet plays or whatever it's like it's like a 10 minute introduction that mm -hmm. for fox so he'll watch a lot of those introductions and he'll rewind them and play them again rewind them like i call it he's stuck in a thought loop you know he's in he's in a thought loop that that he keeps on just rewinding it and for, for back and forth you know he'll rewind it watch it push it back you know he'll always stop at the like whatever 13 second mark and always push it to the beginning and, but, and he'll just he'll watch that he'll he'll it's, he'll get stuck in in, in 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 it and he'll just keep on he'll keep on going through that and then we you know I, I we try to in, in, interrupt it just because it kind of it kind of gets annoying you know for us yeah um so I what, what's your thoughts on that interesting um 
the, the tricky thing is that we don't know what's happening in his mind. He might be meditating. He might be running this thing back and forth. And as it's running, you know, thoughts going on in his mind and he's analyzing various things that he sees. He could be counting uh, facial expressions. He could be analyzing uh, patterns in what he sees. He could be analyzing the patterns of the music. Uh, what happens in this introduction in terms of what they present before what. He could be analyzing various colors. My point is that there is a high likelihood that there is mental work that is being done that while seems to be repeating itself is actually constructive in his own mind. He's doing something. He's developing a mental skill, a particular abstract uh, uh, ability to analyze something. And there's literally no way of knowing. Now, if it's bothering you, then uh, by all means, but it's it's definitely... Um, I can tell you so something. An analogy that that, I, that, I, that you made me think of, that you helped me think of, was um, some people like to listen to music while they work. Yes. Right? Some people can't stand to listen to music while they work because they think it's distracting. But other people are far more effective if they put on some like classical music and then that could you know get them to think and, and kind of kind of help move their mind. That's essentially what you described there. Like that, that's a really interesting way to look at it. I mean, that really has has me looking at that situation in a different mm. way. And and I, I want to do a lot more observation on this. Yeah. And so, for example, if the specifics are very important, keep a calendar, keep a journal. Why? Because if you tell me, if you we meet again and you tell me, hey, Ares, you know, here's the the thing he was replaying again and again and again, and I actually observed his behavior. Look at his eyes. Where does his eye go? So instead of looking at him and feeling that jolt in your heart that my son is doing this weird behavior, just sit and watch. Look at his eyes. What does he look at? Does he look at the actual video? Does he just like think and he's just listening to the video? Because if he listens versus seeing, that tells us something very different about his mind. Chapter 8 in the book talks about the mind's eye and the mind's ear. The way we we, we see outward or inward um, uh, has a direct relationship to the electromagnetic uh, way the mind works. And so watch his behavior more carefully and ask yourself, what is he doing? Assume that he is doing something. Now, you were talking about music while working. Notice that, first of all, there's people who can listen to anything while they work. Um, and uh, I find that, well, usually wisees, but smarties, notice that when smarties listen to music, they can listen to music, but not if the music has lyrics. Most of these people, if, if it has lyrics, it'll distract them. Not if it's a coffee place in the background type of thing, but when you're actually doing focus work. Why? Because the voluntary mind, the mind that is doing the work, is using language. The self-conscious mind is language. And so because there's other words that are coming in, it's literally throwing off the trunk of thought. And the less light you use in your mind to think, the more you'll get thrown off by by words. If my wife will uh, come upstairs now and even say, honey, you're there, it'll literally distract my thought because it's language, and I think using language, I don't think using imagery. And so by observation, you'll be able to learn a lot more about your, about your child and about the various patterns that are happening, and slowly and steadily, you're going to learn how his mind works, okay? Um, the, the previous behavior that you were uh, talking about, uh, the one before the, uh, the loop, it was going to the sand and coming back, right? Um, 
There's another uh, difference that I'm compelled to mention here between wisey autistics and smarty autistics. Smarty autistics tend to be a lot more of germaphobes. Um, they like things clean. They like things um, organized in a particular way. And wisey autistics tend to be a lot more like they'll just flatten themselves on the floor in a tantrum, don't care that it, the floor is dirty. Uh, I see that you are sort of like yeah, nodding, nodding. Yes, yes, yes. Core is the YZ and uh, TJ is the smart. Yeah, yeah that, that I take yeah. it that they're not identical twins. They, they, they're no. Well, here, so to be an identical twin, um, you can't be, um, you can't be a boy and a girl. So if you're boy and a girl, you're 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 not identical, or else you would you'd oh, be okay. Uh, so, so that's that by, that by default. Okay, I didn't, I, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, because I thought there was sometimes boy and girl identical twins. No, I mean, that's I, I, don't, I don't think so. I could be wrong. Yeah. I could be wrong. I'm not, I'm not an expert on twins. Or yeah, me neither. So, okay. Um, so, so these are the reason I'm, I'm saying all these things is that what we don't recognize, we automatically assume to be a side effect, but they're usually a reason. What happens in the seclusion of somebody's mind, we cannot know. And until we develop the language to speak with each other about the way our mind works, we're not gonna, it's not gonna be easy conversations. But the more we learn about how the mind works, the more we develop a common language, the more we can observe behavior of other people, and the more we can deduce, just like when we're deducing that somebody runs cold if they're wearing a lot of layers and somebody runs hot if they're wearing fewer layers. By the way, YZs usually run hotter. Uh, uh, Smarties usually run colder. And there's a reason for that too. That's why the geek are meek. It's because they're... Their directive mind is the, the the mind is directive, not the body. But anyway, again, throwing throwing a lot of stuff at you. Um, the observation of the behavior will get you to understand how their mind works. Go really, really slowly with the marijuana. Listen to what the doctors say because I have no idea what they've learned, and I'm sure that they read a lot more research than I do, and they know. Uh, the more clinical stuff that is coming from these states, like it's only we're only going to be able to do this if we if we're going to use all the information at our disposal, and we cannot say, oh, uh, allopathic uh, medicine is not does not know what they're doing, or scientists don't know what they're doing. They're doing things that I'll never be able to do because of the way my mind works. I can't track anything concretely. If I had to do one scientific experiment in a lab, I would fail miserably. I cannot track. Uh, figures and, and and dates and things like that, but I can analyze things abstractly. That's my superpower. And the question, I think, that needs to motivate every parent of an autistic child, and forgive me for projecting this, is not how do I, um, um, well, of course, how do I alleviate the suffering by all means, but beyond that is like, what is my child's mental superpower because i'm not talking about um you know there's a lot of uh, parents of autistic children maybe want their uh, kids to be savants and stuff like that i'm not talking about that particular level i'm talking about the fact that 
Every one of us has a mental superpower. And the second we start realizing how we think, we start realizing that we think differently than others. And everybody thinks infinitely different than anybody else, just like fingerprints or snowflakes. And learning how we think can allow us to understand why we suck at some subjects at school or why we're so like for example it took me years to understand why i I wasn't good at history because i can't remember dates and it took me years to understand why i i i could i you know people after lunch in corporate america would sit in different seats around the table i lost their names because I remember their names based on the geometric relativity to where I was sitting because I'm blind in my mind's eye. So focus on their strengths. Um, Don't rush to move them to anything because of our discussion. Take this discussion as a fertile ground for you to learn. And remember that all I am is in, you know, I call myself a metaphysicist, a practical metaphysicist. I kind of laugh at that because what is a practical metaphysicist? In academia, that's an axiomoron. A metaphysicist is a philosopher, right? Um, well, I'm a practical metaphysicist. I take the philosophy of the mind. Um, it's called the Hebrew wisdom. Uh, the I call it Hebrew metaphysics. And I deliberately created an axiomoron to describe what I do in order to send the message that once you realize that the mind has a structure and a mechanism, all metaphysics become practical. Metaphysics become the science of the mind. Okay, But I'm just that. I'm just a thinker. That's all I am. I'm a thinker and a speaker. If this resonates with you, use it yourself to analyze how the mind works. And then if the evidence that, I, 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 um, that you see forth tells you, hey, this might help my child more, then make a change. Because there is no one, Jeremy, on the face of this planet, not even me who's done research with marijuana for six years, directly, uh, probably nine years total, can tell you what's best for your kids. I cannot. I cannot. It's an impossibility. And so take your time. And, and um, the mar- marijuana is not a magic cure. It does something. It has a mechanism. It is up to us to figure it out, and we will figure it out. We will decode cannabis. We will understand how the mind works and how the plan changes our perception of time and what that does to our language. Language is the reflection of consciousness. We are only self-conscious as humans because we're able to articulate in words names for abstract concepts when the deaf you know, in the mid-1700s, uh, before sign language, deaf were considered uh, imbeciles, uh, retarded. Why? Because, in a way, their consciousness was not able to evolve more than a cat, a dog. Okay? Why? Because they couldn't hold abstract concept. The second sign language came, it was like a light switch, like somebody turned on the light in their minds. There are great books about that that I can recommend. Um and so what happened? It was like as if literally they ate from the tree of knowledge and suddenly their mind just exploded in discovery. And I truly believe that at the end of the day, the only difference between a highly autistic person, let him or her be a wisey or a smarty, is literally in the speed of the voluntary thought. And thus meditation becomes the most important thing 
what is meditation? Not necessarily meditation like in the East, where we're like, you know, Om Shanti and try to quiet our mind. To tell a smarty autistic to quiet his mind is like tell a person to grab a train in order to stop it. It's an impossibility. But meditation techniques to allow us to see what's happening in our mind and to for some of us to slow it down, to slow down the, either the voluntary or the involuntary mind, and for some of us to merely understand how it works, so we can then over time develop the language that we need to that we're lacking, whether it's a language around emotional intelligence, whether it's a language around abstract thought, whether it's a language around concrete thought in time. So when I do meditation, I literally try to develop a language around keeping time, about being ready for a meeting on time. I'm clueless. I thrived in corporate. I had a secretary. She told me what to do when. But, I, you know, I'm not in corporate anymore, right? So language is everything. Um, what, what was your day job in corporate? Strategy, corporate strategy. I'm a software <laughs> developer by training, right? Um, wow. And so, you know, I'm super abstract thought. I see big systems. I see big pictures. I can design a plan to wean the world out of use of money uh, over seven generations. But I cannot make a plan on how to throw a party next week because it's so concrete and my mind simply doesn't work this way. I don't know what to, how to think about it in a concrete manner. But I can design you know, big systems. That's my superpower, right? Like, so, so one last question before, before we wrap this up here, but is how close is, is your theory on smarties and wisees? Are they essentially, have you taken the left brain, right brain theory to the next level? Maybe. So here's the deal. The reason I don't use left brain, right brain is because for some people, first of all, the hemispheres are reversed. Second, and so when we say left brain, right brain, we mean, you know, second, the more research is done, the more we come to a conclusion that the mind, that the brain is actually androgynous, that there is, um, we call them feminine functions in the masculine brain and masculine functions in the feminine brain, if masculine being the logical, rational, you know, uh, relative and the um, the feminine brain being the intuitive, the chaotic, so on and so forth. And so uh, this distinction is very difficult to make, left brain, right brain. Now, the left brain, right brain terminology became uh, um, sort of nomenclature because we see that there's two types of people. We do. It's a fact. I mean, it's so self-evident. So we have to associate it with something, but we can't quite see it. It's almost like we see a factory from within. The brain is like a factory. And we see what's happening on the main floor and we see what's happening on the second floor. But we can't quite, uh, because some of the functions are on both floors and we can't quite tell. We can't quite see who runs the factory. Comes metaphysics and says, listen, listen, listen. Don't think about it as your left brain, right brain. Think about it as two separate minds, like two edges of a magnet. And there's an event horizon in between which means each side of the magnet functions completely differently and also holds a different function. And they don't communicate between them. It's literally like we're two minds. We have two minds. One mind only thinks and only perceives reality 
from the self-conscious perspective and one mind only senses reality and perceives it from the perspective of the one going through the experience, which means one mind is um, is a thinker and one mind is, uh, I, I call it in the book, uh, um, intellectual understanding versus experiential understanding. But you need both in order to know something, right? A male doctor will never know what it's like to give birth. Never. It's an impossibility. And so it's the same thing. It's like, oh, um, I think that my theory is definitely um, giving us something to look at, time, as as a way to start analyzing our own mind. What I have done is I've taken somebody who is lost in the solitude of the ocean, and I told them, here's your northern star. Now you can start navigating. If I have a conversation with someone, I can usually interview them for five, 10 minutes and usually can tell where they are on the spectrum. And it's a standard deviation. Some people are on the edges. This is why in you're going to see in all uh, diagrams from Consciousness Research Institute and you can download um, an empty diagram to start tracking the, 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 the mind of both your kids based on the book. You're going to see that on the edges of the spectrum, there is autism. It's marked as autism. Why? Because autism is essentially the minds, the super capable minds who are able to think faster. Both, I mean, look at Temple Grandin. I'm sure you've read her books, maybe not. It's like, oh, she was able to design systems that nobody else could because she had the ability to do things in her minds on a much grander scale than others. But she tells you that her short-term memory suck. She writes about that in her books. Well, that tells us something about the way her mind works, right? And so I would say this. My theory is definitely groundbreaking. I have no qualms about saying that. But I do not see everything. I need to interview as many people as possible about the way the mind works. And I would love to interview autistics as much as I can in order to learn more and more and more. And I think that science is going to catch up with specific experiments that are going to show that this theory is is correct. And in fact, I didn't want to kind of uh, put it out there, but um, Creorg University will open very soon. And in Creorg University, it's just this website that uh, it's Patreon-based. Um, I'm going to uh, invite people who are marijuana, uh, legal users of marijuana, or deal with people who use marijuana to join a collective experiment so that we can actually take these theories and prove them. Let's show that marijuana changes our time perception exactly what it does so that we can get to a point where a parent like you doesn't have to do the discovery themselves, but rather just use very basic observations of their children and know what kind of marijuana would help, if at all. I, I hope that makes sense. It absolutely makes absolute sense. And, I, and I, as again, I said this earlier in, in the podcast, I think you're on just something. I think you're very close on something. Like I said, when I get off this, I'm going to buy the book. I'm going to read it, and next time we talk, you know, I'll I'll have much more a much better base of of, of your theory, and I'll, I'll I'll let you know everything I can. So let, let's make that a point to get to get together sometime soon. We have each other's contact information, and and like I said, uh, you know, I, I 
Uh, have you ever reached out to the organization called MAPS? I know MAPS does a lot of things with psychedelic research, and, and I mean, they, they have a level of legitimacy. I mean, uh, you know, just from what you tell me and from some guy who's living it, if you could get some kind of like an interest inventory and find out, is, is your child or is this person, a wise is your smarty, okay? And then, you know, so because you, you, could, you could easily quantify that because you know, you know the traits. It's kind of like the Myers-Briggs. Um, do you ever hear of the Myers-Briggs uh, yes. uh, personality type? Have you ever taken that? Yes. Okay. I, I, feel, I feel you could create something like that with the YZs and Smarties. And I think you could, you could get that. And then, then you have these people take these tests and see where they fall. Okay. Or, or a parent for someone like mm-hmm. me who takes this. Um, and then in that situation, you then can. Jeremy, I lost you. So, um, so I think I lost Jeremy. Um, Jeremy, I don't know if you can hear me. Um, let me try again. No, I lost Jeremy altogether. Um, I think this conversation was uh, getting to an end. We'll see if Jeremy reconnects. Uh, either or, I, um, I'm i going to respond to something uh, Jeremy just said. A questionnaire is actually is being developed. It's being developed as a part of uh, a new book that's being written called The Metaphysics of Marijuana. And um, it's not a questionnaire that necessarily has to do with uh, only marijuana, but it's a questionnaire designed to determine if someone is a wisey or a smarty. Um, it's very different with kids. And um, Jeremy, I want to thank you for your uh, recommendation to contact MAPS. Actually, I've been told by two other people to contact them, and I haven't, I haven't done so uh, as of yet. Jeremy, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, I just kept talking to the listeners. I just wanted to make sure that there's no break. What I was telling them is that you're the third person who is suggesting that I'll talk to MAPS. And um, I haven't done done so yet. I uh, this is where my um, high functioning autism. Yes, it's high functioning, but not very functioning when it comes to socialization. Uh, I'm I'm very much an introvert, and uh, sometimes I don't know what to say, and sometimes I say the wrong things. Sometimes I create a perception that I'm crazy. Sometimes I, you know, because I'm like, hey, uh, we think with two minds. Well, you know. <laughs> It, it it's very hard to convey a message to someone uh, who is not motivated by a will to learn and to study. And obviously you have this will because you have a particular situation on your hand. Um, but I'm going to take this as a sign to contact MAPS and um, not to wait any longer because I have a feeling that you're absolutely right and that they're going to just literally going to dig it. Uh-huh. I, I agree so and and listen if, if, if it's any consolation to you it, it took me a while to put my head around the YZ and smarty you know I I, I it, 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 even watching the, the videos that you have online just in prep in prep for this conversation I did try to watch those things and and and, and until you really walked me through it you know it, it, you know I didn't it was you know honestly it was something like it was abstract. I was trying to put my head around it, but then you kind of walked it and how it relates to me. And uh, we were able to see some, I was able to see some amazing things. 
Yeah, it's it's in. Uh, I'm literally in training on how to say it more succinctly and with brevity, and it'll take time. Uh, but I will not stop. I will not stop. And um, uh, listen, if you need if you need any help, just let me know. I'm a great PR guy, and I'm willing <laughs> to help you. I'm, I'm really want to look into this because I I really think you're onto something. I don't know what, but you're onto something. Thank you. So, so absolutely, you can help. I'll tell you exactly how you can help. You can help by observing the behavior of your children, uh, by reading the book, by reading the appendix about autism in the book. I deliberately separated the appendix from the book itself because I didn't want to. I even wrote it there. I didn't want to seem like I'm an expert on autism. I didn't want it to be a book about autism. But um, if you have any feedback, by all means, uh, let me know and. Um, I'm sure you are in communities of uh, autistic parents. Uh, spread the word. Spread the word that there is the, the number one thing that I get from parents uh, of autistic children is that I've given them hope. I've given them hope to understand the mind of their children. Uh, giving them language to be able to communicate with their children in a way that's going to uh, potentially create a deeper bond, a deeper connection. And even if it's not going to create a deeper connection, at least an understanding on what is happening in their child's mind. And, um, you know, in everything, when we look around, I want to tell this to every parent of every autistic child that is out there. It doesn't matter where we look, we see a mechanism. There is no reason in the world that the mind should not have a mechanism. That there is no logical explanation to what is happening in your mind, in the child, in your in your child's mind. And we are on the verge of discovering it. We already know that it has to do with time. We already know that it has to do with the polarity of the way we think and the way our our senses function in different perceptions of time. And that alone, that knowing alone, even if I'm inaccurate about the way I describe it, and even if I'm um, not quite proficient in the way I present it, it has something to teach you as well. And so start, uh, start observing your, your child's behaviors and, and ask yourself, what is happening in there? And I hope that going forward, I'm going to have the opportunity to interview as many people as possible. Oh, that's something, another thing you can help uh, Jeremy with. If you have other people that you think I should be interviewing, either on this podcast or um, on a different podcast that's not marijuana related, by all, by all means, let me know. Um, and, and that would be of great help. We, all right, friend. We'll be in touch soon. Um, we got our contact information. Let me do some research on my own and, and, and we'll talk. Thank you so much and good luck. You too, sir. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Decoding Cannabis. It was brought to you by Consciousness Research Institute in Spokane, Washington. Um, music by Andy Rumsey. Uh, the song that you hear is called Here We Are. Uh, and I'm sure you can imagine how fitting it is uh, and why we chose it. Um, Decoding Cannabis is uh, a non-profit project designed to understand how marijuana impacts our perception of time and space so that we can help those with mental unease. If you have any feedback, uh, if you've learned something from this podcast, you can help others uh, learn as well by rating it on iTunes and spread the words. Um, 
we'll de- together uh, we'll decode cannabis. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time. This is Ayers Batat from Spokane, Washington. Smoke responsibly. Speed.